What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Geekiverse Reviews. We are talking some Final Fantasy today for Final Fantasy VII Remake. I'm Josiah Leroy. With me today, Rashawn Anderson. Rashawn, what's up, my friend? What's going on? I've been waiting for this for a long time. <laughs> you beat the game weeks ago. Just kidding. I know, right? I've, I've just been sitting here, you know, twiddling my thumbs. <laughs> hey, it's all good. We're all caught up now. Also with us today, Tim Talbot. Tim, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. And I'm not a platinum king like Rashawn, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah. See, Rashawn, it's catching on. It's catching on. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> so I like uh, it. I, me too. It's great. <laughs> Usually the nicknames that we throw out don't stick, but I think this one will. So it's yeah, good. I like it. I like it. Awesome. Tim, I'm working on one for you. Don't worry. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, we're talking Final Fantasy VII here on the Geekiverse YouTube channel, as well as the podcast network, wherever you download podcasts. So we're going to go through uh, just a few facets of the game, give our overall impressions, and then put our stamp of approval on the game. That's a spoiler in itself. Regarding spoilers, we are going to wait until the end of the episode to discuss this, and we will give you fair warning. So if that is something that you are uh, leery of and, and are worried about, don't worry. Take a Take a seat. We will take those as we come towards the end and give you a fair warning. But... Uh, we finally got the game. We finally got Final Fantasy VII Remake. We had a long history, uh, I felt like, uh, of waiting for this game in development. And, of course, it's been some uh, some time since the original came out. So uh, maybe, Tim, I don't know if you want to jump in first here, but you want to just briefly touch on kind of the, the story of the game's development, just how, how long you it felt like we waited for this game. Yeah, so myself, I think, man... When it first was announced, if I actually go back on my Instagram, I actually posted on my Instagram as a post saying how excited I was for the remake. And that was, what, five years ago almost? E3 um, 2015. Crazy. And for me, <laughs> growing up, this was the game of all games. I mean, when I was a kid, I named my characters in every game Cloud. I just, I was obsessed. And, <laughs> you know, I, I just, I was really excited for it. And it was one of those things where, it felt like forever and then they were going to make it and they weren't going to make it. And then they released that trailer of the very beginning uh, where he's on the train in Midgar. And I was like, Oh my God, it's happening. And then nothing for a long time, but uh, it wasn't, it wasn't work for a while, but you know, I'm glad it finally came out and uh, I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. That's all I can really say. So uh, Rashawn, uh, give your impressions on, on that feeling as well. It felt like, Again, you mentioned at E3 2015, we waited for a while for this game. And even really yeah. longer than that official announcement. Yeah, for me, it's like... So I grew up always want... I, I guess I... Again, being a child, you don't really know what you want. But growing up, I knew I wanted some adaptation of Final Fantasy VII. Um, the lore of that game really caught me just just from the beginning like i remember growing up watching advent children uh which is which takes place post final fantasy 7 uh, i remember playing the crisis core on psp that's one of that's that is still to this day one of the best final fantasy mm-hmm. games ever made in my opinion and one of the best games that was on the psp system uh that was a prequel to final fantasy 7 so i loved how they had like they had this prequel game, they had this, uh, they had the main game of Final Fantasy VII. Then again, if you still want more, you can go ahead and watch the movie Advent Children afterwards. Uh, and then you still had uh, Dirge of Cerberus in there too, which was another expansion of the Final Fantasy VII lore. So I dabbled. And the funny thing with me, 
uh, is that I became such a big Final Fantasy uh, Final Fantasy fan in general, but mainly when we're talking about the storyline of Final Fantasy from all of the other stuff. I actually didn't play Final Fantasy VII, the original, not as a kid. I didn't play that till later, later on. Um, so everything else gripped me. And then I eventually went back and played the actual game, uh, the original game, which was, you know, which was a cool experience. Even playing it later, I still get when you look at the time frame that it came out, why it was so big. But yeah, seeing this announcement or seeing that announcement at the time, man, like I can't even the goosebumps, just the feels again, the music, uh, seeing that old reliable that you see right behind me, the Buster Sword, seeing that. Uh, on clouds back and again a modern setting and just the the thought of what we were gonna get incredible and i don't know about rashawn but the way i felt i was nervous i was really really nervous because in my head that was such a good game and there's a lot been a lot of times where people remake games and it's just not good and that was my biggest concern when they first released it is are we gonna have what we have right now which is what they released are we gonna have one that's kind of like they're putting their own spin on it and it doesn't really work. That was my biggest concern. Um, and also a little, you mentioned growing up playing Final Fantasy games. I've actually beaten every Final Fantasy. I've just, I'm, I've been obsessed. I, when I was, I didn't have As internet growing up. I grew up in Attica. So when I played games, I'd actually drive to um, a local church to get Wi-Fi on my laptop. And um, I used to download <laughs> emulators, stuff like that. And I actually downloaded all the old games and played them on my laptop. So I was uh, I was obsessed to say the least, and that's an awesome like classic gamer backstory. Like we all like as gamers, we all have something similar to that with the franchise. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun, but um, yeah. yeah, I think maybe we get want to get right into the the nitty gritty of it. I'm I'm excited to talk about everything. So yeah, so we fast forward to, to 2020 here. We get the long awaited Final Fantasy VII remake. Let's talk your first impressions, getting into the world, getting into the gameplay, uh, all of the above. Uh, well, again, we'll I'll start with Tim here. You 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 download the game or you you pop it in your system and play it. What is going through your your mind? Um. Well, first question here, Sean. Did you play the demo? I did. Okay, I played the demo too. I I want. I needed to, but I wish I didn't because the demo was essentially <laughs> the beginning of the game. Yeah. But when I played the demo, goosebumps. I mean, it was just. Goosebumps. That's all I can say. It was like reliving my childhood all over again. And I loved it. Every second of it, you know, he hops off the train with his buster sword on his back and you're just like, classic scene. And, you know, when you first, first fight that, that first battle against, uh, oh man, the, uh, soldiers, it's just like, it just feels great. When you Mm. first start with the combat, it just, it's, it feels amazing. It feels like Crisis Core. That's kind of the biggest comparison I would have to it. Kind of a mix between like Crisis Core and Kingdom Hearts style um, combat. And it just feels really well. It feels smooth. It feels fluid. I love the way they in, uh, incorporated the ATB gauge system where you can essentially make it go. It's not pausing it, but it moves very, very slow. And give you that feel of the original where you can pick and choose and strategize which when you first turn on the game and you start playing, it's like, well, I can just hack and slash my way through this. Then you hit the first boss and it's like, okay, well, maybe right, I can't right. hack my way through this. <laughs> I actually have a buddy who, who bought it and died on the first boss. And he's like, okay, well, this isn't you know as easy as I thought it would be. But first impression-wise, <laughs> I was blown away. It's just everything that you have in your head that you want to see, 
is right there in front of you. I'm sure. What did you think, Rashawn? Do you think it was similar or how did you feel? No, I agree. Um, so first impressions, yeah, if we're talking that, come from the demo, really. Uh, that, that was so unexpected, too. Part of me leading up to that demo didn't think that they were uh, going to do that just based on Square Enix's track record with releasing demos for bigger titles like you know, like a Kingdom Hearts 3. They didn't do that for, for example. Um but just booting up that demo, and it, again, it's this all these feelings still translate to release day. Um, the feel of the game was something I was, I was from everything that I saw, I was expecting it to be fluid. Um, but it's a different feeling when, again, like Tim was talking about, when you have the classic scene of the train clouds on it. Uh, all the avalanche soldiers get off and Barrett says, come on, Mark. And then he jumps off, <clears throat> jumps off the train. And then you have that first battle with those Shinra soldiers. Um, and just going through the, the introductory parts of that stage, uh, the combat for me, I draw comparisons to a lot of people have drawn comparisons to final fantasy 15. And I would draw those comparisons too. It's definitely different though. Yeah. Like, uh, Final Fantasy, like you don't have as many weapons to work with at one time. Like you know, Cloud and Noctis are obviously two different characters in that regard. Um, this is definitely a lot more ATB centric and more uh, thought provoking, I think, than Final Fantasy 15. Like Final Fantasy 15, I'm able to go into a fight and pretty much just kind of spam my way in, you know, in and out of it if I really want to. Like there, there wasn't much thought to the combat in that game, in my opinion. Um, and that was a game I, I I did everything in that game. That was a game I platinumed as well. Uh, so that was a game I, I was able to just go in, go in. And there were some fights in that game where it's like, okay, maybe I have to think my way through this. But for the most part, not really. I feel like Final Fantasy VII Remake here does a good job. It makes you think about every single encounter. Uh, you know, besides those introductory Shinra soldier fights, uh, where you really doesn't really take much thinking, only because obviously, again, it's the first ten minutes of the game. They don't want to, they don't want to hit you over the head with it yet. Uh, but yeah, like Tim was talking about the ATB gauge, that was awesome. Uh, I remember when they first talked about bringing that in, I wasn't necessarily skeptical, but I'm just like, okay, like it's interesting seeing a modern RPG still going, uh, action RPG still going for that uh, kind of style. But it's definitely a beautiful mix of just real time action RPG mixed with that strategic element of the ATB gauge. Um, and then the final, the, not the final boss, the first boss, <laughs> the first boss is something that uh, I've actually seen a couple of people die on that. Cause I think it, it catches you off guard because it wants you to really get used to the free flowing version of the combat leading up to that first boss. And then that first boss is that true first. Okay. Like, I can still do the free fr free flow, you know, press square to do a light attack. Uh, you can go into punisher mode for your heavier attacks if you want to and still free flow that way. But it does force you to at least begin uh, to learn the, uh, the combat engine of the game uh, where your first test of even though you don't have much material to work with, the material is the magic of the game. Uh, your first test of being able to really effectively use that, I feel like, in a, in a large boss setting. Um, there was an enemy uh, little mini boss before that where you could test it out, but that boss really right. tests your skills there. Um, so yeah, and like Tim was talking about before, the goosebumps, man, the goosebumps of realizing. I, the first thing I thought was, man, I'm going to play an entire game with this combat engine. And then besides the combat, just 
the looks and and again seeing Barrett and Cloud uh in that first mission just in 2020 and not 1997 uh and again someone like me who grew up watching Advent Children seeing these characters in you know a CGI setting like that and I play this game I'm like that is insane how the character models in just the regular game almost look as good as an entire movie that they did that was the, that was one of the first things i thought of was like i'm gonna play an entire game of this it's crazy yeah i agree with you whole game looked like a cutscene. it was yeah the whole game was a cutscene. yes yes yeah, i was streaming on Discord <laughs> with my buddies they wanted to see what it's like and like oh are you are you moving your character that's how good it looked mm-hmm. and it just like you said it just everything looked super super clean it looked super nice um you know that's I, a big testament I honestly um yeah to and obviously graphics just they naturally improve with time but that they didn't really you know hold back on on budgeting when it came to uh, hey we're going to really make sure this production value is through the roof uh, you know that says a lot um i think back to games of games like god of war that came out in 2018 or even uh, uncharted 4 just a few years prior to that and how i think more so with uncharted i felt like so many times i didn't realize i was controlling my character because I didn't realize a cutscene was over, and that was maybe the start of the the time frame in video games where transitions just happen so beautifully without knowing a cutscene was over. So to hear that, and it's such a big kind of vast game like this, again, that's really saying a lot. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, yeah, just overall opinions on combat, um, like how everything went as far as the game, you know, meet itself. One thing I loved is the fact that you could. It's such a minor thing but the fact that you could see the materia on the back of the weapons was the cool specific to ones too the specific colors yeah. depending on what you shoot yeah stuff like that which i loved and it was it's just the little things they put a lot of effort and work into the little things that matter to me as a you know a fanboy essentially if you want to call it that and you know as far as the style of the game went the rpg it was i don't know about you sean it was much longer than i thought it would be i i remember playing the original and you're out of Midgar, mm-hmm. what, uh, 10, 10, 11 hours? I don't think it was really you were there for that long. That's the magic of the game is that, uh, and I re- and I recently on purpose too went back and played Final Fantasy VII, uh, not fully through, purposely. Uh, I wanted to just play the Midgar section. I did it before the game came out. Uh, I think I got through it in six hours. Right. I think you can do it in five to seven. Yep. So they take... Uh, they took a five to seven hour segment, which is the, obviously the first segment of the original Final Fantasy, and they turn it into, you know, if you just do the story, maybe 28 to 30 hours. If you do story plus side content, maybe like 35 to 40 hours. That's crazy. Yeah, it was <clears throat> it was something else, how, how much they added. And I think what they added, it wasn't, it didn't feel like it shouldn't have belonged. It felt like it should have been there the whole time. You know, a right. lot of the side stories, like you got to learn more on Jesse, who was a main character throughout the game. You got to learn a lot about Jesse. And I was happy you got to ride the motorcycle before the end of the game because that was one of my favorite oh, yes. things. <laughs> um, was a part where you get to ride the motorcycle and you get it's a different style of combat, but you get to do it multiple times throughout the game, which, you know, I love that they did that. And just overall, how they built upon it, they had side quests throughout the game. And the side quests even felt like they should belong. It gave you more of a, you know, a feedback on how the game went. And it actually had an effect on things later throughout the game, which 
again, I'm a big fan of put it, you put work into something and putting the time into it, seeing what pays off. Cause I know I've, I've talked about this a few times with Joe is I'm a completionist in a sense. I'm not <laughs> the platinum King. I don't do platinum. <laughs> um, but if I play a game where it's like, you know, I want to collect every materia or I want to collect in a sense more from my own gratification than anything else. If I play a platformer, I got to get a hundred percent. I just have to do it. It's just, I want to see it hundred percent on the screen. And some, uh, it's some of your brain that they, that, the, yep, uh, that they do. Castlevania symphony of the night. I got a hundred percent, but I didn't complete a bestiary. So I didn't get the full platinum and it didn't matter to me. I got the hundred percent. I'm happy. And, you know, a little bit different than a lot of other people, but the game itself had a lot of collectibles, a lot of rewards for doing some of the side quests, things like that. And, you know, it's just very well done in my opinion. It's, I think I've mentioned this to you guys before. I think it's probably me, my game of the year. And it's probably not going to be close. It might be the best game, in my opinion, on the PS4 since it was released. Wow. Sean feels about Ooh. that. But that's how I feel. That's how much I loved it. I haven't played a, again, I'm a dad. I don't have a ton of time. We wanted to do this review two, three weeks ago because <laughs> Rashawn finished it in what, two days? You didn't sleep? <laughs> <laughs> ah, something like that. <laughs> uh, you know, it's tough for me because I, I, when I play, it's at night and I've been playing other games too and it's tough to juggle all my time. And, you know, it. it's probably one of the longest games I've played in a long time. So. Well, what were yeah, your thoughts on the overall game similar to mine, or what were you? Yeah, thinking? yeah. Just to, to piggyback off of everything you said, um, to the point about how we get more information on side characters that originally maybe had, <laughs> if you total up the time of dialogue they had, maybe maybe they added up to two minutes of dialogue in the original, like Jesse, uh, Biggs, and Wedge. You know, you get so much um, extra stuff with them, which is cool. And of course, you know, mainly primarily Jesse, which is awesome. Uh, when you think about other characters, bigger characters that, that play a role into this as well. Um, you know, I love that you get introduced to Seth Roth a lot earlier in the game as well, uh, without getting too much into that. That's, that's awesome that they brought him in early. And I think, cause they know the majority of and this is the magic of the Final Fantasy VII lore that's always gripped me is that it truly did bring Final Fantasy into the mainstream. There are not many gamers that I can think of, you know, hardcore gamers, even casuals. Everyone knows who Seth Roth and Cloud are. Like those are they; those two are such gaming icons at this point in their own way. So, uh, definitely in the JRPG genre. So I love that they went for that creative design choice. It's like, uh, you know what? And we understand that this is we want to make this a remake, but let's introduce the main villain who's so popular and that people really want to see him uh, updated in 2020. Let's throw him in earlier and let's, you know, throw him in a couple scenes and see where that goes. And, And I feel like it was all fluid with the story that they were going for. I don't feel like anything they added, whether it's anything with Sephiroth, anything with uh, any of the other side characters that we got to know that, that we got to know in this game. I didn't feel like anything and that way was forced. And of course, the main four in this game that we're looking at are Cloud, Tifa, Aerith, and Barrett. Um, just getting more development for them as well. Again, getting just so much more time to spend with these characters. Uh, even this is something that every modern game has. But again, even the banter when you're just going through a world between the characters. You know, every game has that. But again, we're talking about a game that's a remake of a game from 1997 where you strictly just got the text boxes and you moved on and that was it. 
uh, and having everything voice acted and all that stuff was cool as well. Um, and for me, since I did go back and try to do as much as I can, and I did get the platinum, uh, hard mode, I want to touch on that just a little bit since we're talking about gameplay. That truly makes you appreciate the combat of the game. Um, I don't, I personally, I was a little intimidated going into it um, because the main thing that I heard was you can't use items. So Tim, you probably immediately freak out. I was like, what do you mean I can't use items? I relied on items so much and playing through it normally. Um, But no, you cannot use items whatsoever. The only way you can restore HP is by resting at the benches like normal. Uh, But on normal, you could restore your HP and MP from the benches on hard mode, you can only restore your HP. So you have to go through the entire chapter with whatever MP you have. You'll still regenerate MP from, you know, knocking down crates or whatever, but you have to be very resourceful and extremely careful. And it is kind of frustrating from time to time, but it truly does make you, A, appreciate every single enemy in the game um, that you go up against. There is a respect there. And B, it just really shows... And I felt this way on normal mode, but especially on hard mode, is that you really have to take your time with these encounters. You can't necessarily rush into every single encounter uh, mashing square like you probably would in a Kingdom Hearts game or something like that. Or even in a lot of cases in Final Fantasy uh, 15 and expect to succeed. You really do have to, you know, make sure your materia is spread out the way it needs to be. Make sure whatever material that you are using, make sure it's upgraded as much as it can be. Uh, what combinations are you going for? All of these things play a factor. The levels, uh, the levels that you got from your weapons carry over. All of that stuff carries over from your previous save, and then you can still obviously expand upon that and level up, um, up until the cap. You know, just naturally by playing the game. So that's a that's a little gem that I got to it that uh, I got to experience playing it on hard mode. Just really seeing the true mechanics and how in depth they really are. Uh, that's a, definitely a huge call out to Square Enix. Whoever worked on the combat, well, actually, I know who worked on the combat of this game. Uh, it's the team who originally developed the combat for Kingdom Hearts 2. Um, and for my JRPG fans that are watching this, Kingdom Hearts 2 is renowned as one of the best combat engines ever in a JRPG or action RPG, however you want to classify that. Uh, so that team, they all these years later got brought, um, and obviously they probably added people, of course, um, but got brought to do this game. So I was expecting, and that goes back to my original point, I did expect the combat of this game to be amazing because of that detail. Uh, but it's so different. It's it's for me in a different way. I know some people are drawing comparisons to Kingdom Hearts, but the main thing is that ATB gauge and the material that are that is different from just, you know, kind of more of a hack and slash style with Kingdom Hearts. Uh so huge kudos to this team. They really know this this combat engine rivals like anything modern, especially like The Witcher, I know is a big one uh, that people love. Uh, it rivals a game like that, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, and so for, for me, a big thing when I play games like this is typically I only want to play one character. I don't know how you guys are, but if I'm playing Final Fantasy VII as Cloud, for the most part, I'd want to play Cloud. And then this game was one of the few games where I've, I wanted to play the other characters. There was rewards for it. So mm-hmm. as you equip the weapons throughout the game, each weapon had a special ability. And if you use that weapon long enough with your own person, you had to play the character, you could learn the ability. Or you had to use the ability for them. And it really encouraged me to experiment with some of the other characters. So then throughout the game, I slowly started using everyone else. And you started to get fluid between switching between each character. And 
who is getting the aggro from the enemies and stuff like that. And I thought that was really well done. Big thing in this game too, that we didn't mention is the whispers. We won't talk about what they do or what they symbol, but that was one thing this game added that wasn't in the original. And you encounter them pretty early on and they keep coming up throughout the game. And towards the end, they kind of really hits a climax and you say, Hey, this is what these are for. And this is what they resemble. And it created like a climax where that was what you were doing at the end opposed to in the original, it was much different. Um, so they kind of twisted up the ending. So, but we'll talk about that. The spoilers section, one big, big thing. They, they change a little bit. So, and yeah, since you bring up uh, just bits of the story, just for those who haven't played Final Fantasy VII, I mean, just to kind of give you an overview of the story that you'd be getting into if you decide to get this game. Um, basically, the premise is Cloud, the main character, is a mercenary, and he ends up taking a job from a resistance group called Avalanche. So the resistance that they're fight of, what they're trying to fight is the evil Shinra Corporation. Uh, Basically, the best way to describe them is that they're basically to fund all of their research and uh, all of the technology they build and how advanced um, that this company is and what they're trying to spread to the common people of Midgar. Um, It is unfortunately taking up the uh, resources of the planet. So by trying to make a utopia, if you will, uh, they are sucking out the energy of the planet. Thus, that's where Barrett and Avalanche comes in. Barrett's the uh, leader of this specific division of Avalanche that has Biggs, Wedge, um, and Jesse in it that Cloud takes that job from. Um, So that's how the game starts off. And then just seeing how that basic premise and seeing that how that changes Cloud as a character. uh, For those who have seen Cloud in other media, I'm pretty sure people know Cloud is very... uh, (laughs) he's very he's very blunt and to the point you know he's not an eccentric personality um he's very you know calm cool and collected if you will um and kind of a jerk uh, at least to start so seeing how his character changes from listen man i just want the money like that's all i really care about to him getting brought into this story of hey like we're trying to do something to better the planet we're trying to do something that is bigger than each and every one of us and seeing how a character like oh go ahead for a price yes (laughs) yes (laughs) and just seeing how how that changes cloud's character um from start to finish and seeing what that does to the rest of the characters too uh so that's kind of just the basic premise of the story um just you know just from the get-go so if you like something like that and that that basic premise has been in other games and even movies uh again big corporate company taking at uh resources from the planet someone's got to stop them right that's that basic premise has been in a lot of different entertainment forms uh but seeing again a final fantasy game adopt that and this is the one of the major i believe first final fantasies that took it out of a traditional like um classic like king and queen princess type of atmosphere and brought it to a more realistic setting um final fantasies one through six uh i may be missing one maybe that took it in a little different direction but the main thing of final fantasy was again that type of uh again castles and kings and queens and and uh servants like that that whole vibe uh and seeing final fantasy bring that to a modern day well, at least at that time, modern day, and even still to this day, a modern day type of setting um, and seeing what Square did with that 
it all of that stuff still transfers over to this game to where I know a lot of people with a lot of other mediums are like, man, nothing will ever beat the original. And my opinion, this beats the original in every way. Scope, scale, uh, the stuff that they added with the story, um, combat, obviously, graphics. Uh, you know, the main thing that you're going to still get with the original is your nostalgia, but just the fundamental building blocks that you want from an improvement of a game are present in this remake. Yeah, and I think I agree with you that the game's phenomenal. Different games, and opposed to Rashawn, I'm going to kind of go the opposite spectrum. Because the original has so much nostalgia, like you said, nothing will ever take that away from me. It's always going to be one of my favorite games of all time. This is up there with that. If I would have played this before I played um, the original Final Fantasy, I probably would feel different. Um, but a little bit different. So there's one other topic that I wanted to cover. So, Joe, have, uh, when's the last time you played a Final Fantasy game? Never. Okay, so so uh, this is one topic we always talk about. So what we would like to do now is I would like to have me and Rashawn give our final verdict and tell Joe why he needs to play Final Fantasy VII Remake. Okay, um, hit me. As being someone new to the new to the new to the genre, never playing a Final Fantasy VII before or a Final Fantasy game in general mm-hmm. because, you know, the biggest thing that they kind of were preaching when this came out is they were saying, hey, you know what? If you've never played a Final Fantasy game before, this is a good entry point. That was their big pitch. You don't have to be a Final Fantasy fan to play this. And I'm sure Rashawn would agree. Uh, that could not be more true. It is so much different than all the other games. A big misconce- misconception by a lot of people is that, for example, I have a buddy that I um, play League of Legends with. I play a lot of League of Legends. And he said, oh, you know, do I need to know the other characters from the previous games? Like, does it all continue on? Each Final Fantasy game, unless it's like a Dash 2 or a Part 2, is essentially its own storyline. So each Final Fantasy game throughout the series is its own little world. Um, I think what uh, there's a couple that shared the same world or same universe or however they they pitched it when they did it yeah and that's very it's a very loose thread even even so um but for the most part they're all completely separate and final fantasy 7 like Rashawn said it's got its own plotline its own storyline my verdict on it is if you like action rpgs you like rpgs and you like story there's no reason why this wouldn't be in the top games that you'd want to play um you know i i was talking to tank newton who uh is part of the busy sticks with um, John Fick and they I was telling him because he posted he was downloading the original Final Fantasy 7 game and I told him I, I said you know I really want you to play that but play the remake first because you're going to enjoy the remake a lot more without knowing any of the storylines because there's a couple of things that happen throughout the game that if I didn't know would have hit me a lot harder and they hit me hard knowing what was going to happen um, you know I messaged Rashawn and Discord saying you know I was getting emotional but you know there's a lot of parts in there that I wish I didn't know what was happening because I would have enjoyed it so much more. Um, but yeah, so Joe, you need to play it. And I'm sure Rashawn will kind of agree with me. But now what was your verdict on it, Rashawn? What your overall thoughts on it all? Oh, my yeah. only complaint. I'll say that yep, before go I ahead. turn it over. Um, there's a character towards the end. His name's Red. Red X. What is it, Red? Red 13. <laughs> and, uh, one of my favorite games in the original. When you meet him in the original at that spot, he becomes a playable character. I couldn't play him, and that devastated me because I loved him to death. But uh, we, I understand why they didn't let you play him, and they will let you in the, the part two, but I was devastated, to say the least. So, Rashawn, what are, what are your uh, final thoughts on it? So, Joe, the reason why you need to play Final Fantasy VII is because 
Well, Manly, do you even do you, you like RPGs, right? Like you you play other ones. It's just Final Fantasy you've just neglected for all this time. Yeah, um, exactly. So if you again, you like RPGs and, and I know everyone loves some good action, no matter what it is, whether it's, you know, Marvel stuff, whether it's, you know, uh, Final Fantasy, whether it's a John Wick, you know, everyone loves them a good action story or a good action sequence. Uh, this game has plenty of that. And the one thing that I haven't seen a lot of people draw comparisons to that I like to put on, um, especially with a lot of the bike scenes that um, that Tim was talking about earlier, this game has like uncharted level cinematics and uh, set pieces from time to time as well. So in the midst of the amazing story where you're diving into these characters' lives and backstories and you're playing with them for 30 to 40 hours on end, uh, mixed with the great story, again, of seeing Cloud, this mercenary, trying to uh, help this avalanche group topple the Shinra Corporation for, you know, whatever reasons that each character may have. So you have the great story. We've talked about the great combat engine at length. Uh, it weaves in, again, set pieces that are just like, oh, my goodness, they did that. Uh, like, to, again, Tomb Raider, Uncharted level set pieces, which Final Fantasy games never really... I get it just I guess it depends on what your definition of a set piece is, but the 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 vision that I have in my head, I draw parallels with this game to again like an Uncharted or Tomb Raider, where not many other Final Fantasy games necessarily have a lot of stuff like that when you think of explosions and characters thinking on the fly and reacting to different things flying in their direction. And again, you're jumping on a bike with this big buster sword and you're you know, you're chopping stuff up here and there. Uh, you got robots coming at you from or different types of machinery coming at you from buildings and stuff like that. Like it gets pretty crazy. And a lot of the different set pieces in this game um, that, again, just due to technology reasons as well, that a lot, other, uh, a lot of other Final Fantasy games don't have. So I'm sure you've seen a lot of different elements of Final Fantasy spread out. Like even for me, a thing that I didn't mention um, in the beginning is that another way I was exposed to Final Fantasy seven way back when I was experiencing the different types of lore that the game had uh, was Kingdom Hearts, my favorite game series, uh, Cloud and Sephiroth and Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 uh, play a role in that as well. So that was another way for me to, even though it's completely different, it's, it's, a, it's a toned Kingdom Hearts thing, but that was another way I got exposed to these characters. And it's like, man, like these characters are everywhere. Um, and they've, and again, they've been another entertainment medium. We have Cloud is a huge character in Smash Bros. Um, so when it comes to the mainstream aspect that this game provides again if you've never played a final fantasy game it doesn't matter um it's different enough in its story to where and again each final fantasy is traditionally its own story to where you're just picking a story you want to play when you're looking at all these final fantasy games and seven is again the most mainstream and i personally think the most accessible and the cool thing with seven is if you do like it there are other parts of the story that branch out again there's the advent children movie that takes place after the original final fantasy seven there's crisis core uh that if you have a psp you can play or if you just want to watch the cutscenes on youtube you can do that same thing with dirge of cerberus i think that was on the ps2 if i'm not mistaken um, so if you do love, if you play it and love the story, there's more elements outside of the base game itself that you can explore to share the same level of love we have for these characters in this story, um, that hardcore fans do. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. I think that's a really good idea for a segment moving forward in these reviews is, Hey, someone who hasn't played this series, this type of game before, maybe, um, whatever, this is why you should play it. So those are both of you make really, really compelling cases. Uh, 
I'm, I'm definitely going to play it at some point here, especially hearing what you guys had to say. And Rashawn, you basically had me at Uncharted and John Wick. I mean, you know, I knew it. it. I knew it. I you knew it. Sp- <laughs> you spoke to me. You, you know how to get me. Um, do we want to dive into just the last uh, section here for spoilers? Yeah. Real quick. One thing I do want to add, just because I didn't uh, bring this up earlier, uh, in terms of my negatives for the game, because uh, we, we praise it a lot, obviously, because there's so much to praise. There's not many. There's t- there's two that are so nitpicky that uh, they almost one of them could potentially hinder your enjoyment of the game. One of them doesn't. In my opinion, it's just something that I I pointed out and I've seen other people point out. Uh, the small thing is. As we talk about the graphics, all the character models, everything's flawless. Uh, There are, yeah, there are, if you look like, for example, if Cloud and Tifa are talking and you're in the cutscene, let's say you're in a bar um, or you're outside, Cloud and Tifa look amazing. But then you look over and you look at this bush and it just is poorly rendered. It looks weird. You look at this building. Yeah, yeah, right. The doors are missing or, or just, you know, have terrible textures on it. If you look at this building, the bricks look kind of weird. So they clearly, uh, I think it got to a point in development, um, again, with the long development of this game to where if they maybe would have touched things up like that and really taken that time, something like that. Again, I'm not a game designer, but maybe this could, that could have delayed the game another year, year and a half, potentially, to really fix up every little uh, texture of things that really don't matter when you're not in that scene for like two seconds and it's, uh, it's possible too with that like Rashawn said it might have actually ended up not making the game run as smooth as it did because maybe right. they had to take a piece out or a piece here or a piece out there to make it so it was capable of running on the ps4 so it, we would never know you know what i mean exactly but yeah i'm not i'm not a i'm not a game developer but you know i would i would assume that definitely did have something to do with it whether it's time frame and or the way the game ran um but to me that doesn't that's not going to affect your enjoyment of the game um it, it's so subtle that you really have to look um and then one thing that i guess depending on the person could just affect your enjoyment uh for me i acknowledge it that it's not even a problem that it's just like an oh like okay i wonder why they did that um is just some of the side missions some of them can't are like a lot of you know i've seen a lot of complaints that some of the side missions are kind of just fetch quests and i would agree with that however if you look at a lot of other rpgs out there that's kind of i'm not saying i yeah i'm not saying it's right or wrong but that's where a lot of it seems like these rpgs whether it's you know jrpgs or regular action rpgs are kind of going just here uh Susan gives you a list of ingredients that she needs to make this thing go find it and bring it back to her side quest complete. And I, and some of the side missions do get a little more complex than that in this game, but a lot of it is, is fetch quest. So it just really kind of depends on how, how many other RPGs you play and how many times you've have to, you've have to have done a fetch quest for me. It's kind of like, all right, here we go. Whereas if you're not as adept in RPGs, maybe you're like, man, this is kind of really monotonous and boring. So it really just depends on who you are and the type of gamer you are there. For me, I acknowledge it. It's not a huge problem for me. Um, would I have liked to have seen a little more work done in the side mission department? I guess so. But the thing that I, the lens that I use for this is that once again, this game technically isn't done even though this is a hundred percent like complete game from start to finish in its own right, the story and where they're going with this game is still not done. As we know, we still have part two and maybe even a part three or however many more parts after that to where if you've played the original final fantasy seven, you know, once you leave Midgar, 
the game opens up. So I'm assuming maybe that's where we're going to get the Witcher level type of side quests and open world and stuff like that. And if you've played the original Final Fantasy VII, you know kind of already that their hands are tied with what they can do when it comes to side content only because it's in Midgar, you're in these sectors, you're in these compact spots. There's no way for them to necessarily go crazy with side missions. So that's why for me, it doesn't bother me. I see a lot of people talking about that online. Uh, when And then when you put that lens on it and you realize what tools they have that they're working with, there is only so much that they can do. And I think for the some of the linear parts that this game does have, they do a masterful job with making as many side missions and the content that they did put in the game already due to the limited restrictions that they had from the original. So for me, again, it's a small issue, not a big issue. The first issue really isn't even really an issue. It's just something that I noticed. Um, I don't know if we do ratings here on the Geeky versus my first game review, but if I did have to give this game a rating for me, it would be a 9.5 out of 10. I can agree with that. I'll get on board with that. And I agree with you on the side quest thing. The one thing that I like they added to the side quest that a lot of other games don't, just playing a lot of RPGs. I've played a lot of MMORPGs where there's a lot of fetch quests. There's a reward. So in each area, you have a list of side quests. When you complete all the side quests, there's a reward for doing that that affects you more than just getting an extra you know, piece of materia or something like that, which I, I liked. I like having a sense of reward where, hey, here's this extra cutscene extra content for completing the side quest, which I liked a lot. So, yeah. Uh, my general, I can kind of speak to the side missions uh, again with uh, what you're both saying. My general feeling towards them is I don't usually care for them unless I really care for the source material. So for example, Assassin's Creed origins, which I've always liked Assassin's Creed always played through just about every game in that series. Um, it got grindy really fast because I it had really to, did. Yeah, I, I had to start doing side missions in order to level up my character to be anywhere close to where I had to be competitive on my mainline missions. I didn't like that. I didn't like being forced to do that. Um, and I typically don't mind a game guiding you and where it wants you to go. But on the flip side, you know, a game Tim's about to dive into, which obviously I've been praising at every second, is Jedi Fallen Order. And that's a game where, like, give me as much as you possibly can and I'll go do it. I don't even care if it's like, hey, you got to go get this material for this person and there's really not a big payoff. Because I love Star Wars so much, right. I don't care. So I think that's usually right. where I fall on on side missions and such. Um, as long as it usually doesn't hinder your, your main progress or force you to get too much out of the way, you know, I'm fine with having the option there. And none of the side missions in this game, if I'm remembering correctly, are forced. You can skip them. Um, none of them are forced, to my knowledge. Maybe I think one technically is just to just because you're at the start of the game and they're like, oh, just go do this to prove that you can do a side mission. But none of them are forced. But there's story. So the, the, the thing, like Rashawn said, there's story to that side mission. You know, you learn a little bit more about Tifa and, you know, there's some content to it, too, um, which still doesn't makes it feel like it belongs there opposed to feeling out of place. Good stuff, boys. Uh, so we got a 9.5 out of 10. I think that's another thing we should start doing on the, these video reviews. Uh, we, we've we done written reviews for the, the life of the Geekiverse, but transitioning a little to video has, has been exciting here. Um, so we've, we've got probably about five minutes left. Uh, I'll let you guys take, it, uh, take the ball and run with it. What do we want to talk in terms of spoilers? If you haven't played the game yet, if you're, you're again, leery of these spoilers... Uh, this is the point where we'll we'll say farewell for now. But um, why don't you guys take it away on any open discussion on anything spoilery in the game, story-wise? 
So the first thing I want to talk about that hand job scene. <laughs> oh my God. I was not expecting it. I, I've been waiting to talk about this. It happened. And I was like, and then it was happening. And I was like, what is going on? I, it was awkward. awkward. I was in Discord with my buddies and they were watching, like, what's going on? I was like, oh man. So, and I think it was kind of supposed to be too. <laughs> so did I, if you guys remember in Discord, I, I mentioned that like I started watching somebody streaming the game because I had like five minutes and I needed just background stuff while I was, you know, making lunch, for example. And I had it on um, <laughs> my Xbox One and someone was streaming. And I want to say it was right around this part because even my wife walked in and she's like, what the hell are you watching? <laughs> Yeah, you thought you were getting some nasty stuff, Joe. I was like, I don't know what I'm watching. I just started streaming Final Fantasy VII remake. Listen, yeah. here, here's the thing I'll say about about that. Just that whole sequence, or that whole chapter, in a way. Uh, that is chapter nine of the game. Uh, that might be my favorite chapter. And I, <laughs> and the thing with that chapter for me as well, um, some of you guys who maybe are on your way to getting the platinum trophy, you may know this, or if you're just a completionist, um, if you're trying to go for the platinum trophy, you have to play chapter nine. I think I had to play it about five or five, like five different times. I think um, just because there's some different, that chapter is one of the main, the only chapter where you can have, multiple different scenarios happen that can affect a different scenario. So exclusive side missions. Uh, so that gets pretty cool. Um, but yeah, that is called, uh, Joe. And for those who don't know that, uh, entire place is called wall market. This place was a huge, uh, a huge set piece of the original final fantasy seven in the first hours of the game. Um, and the only thing I'll say without diving too much into it is Cloud does have to cross-dress. Um, mm. For those of you that do remember the cross-dress scene from the original game and you're looking forward to that or like weary of that for this one, number one, they do it a lot better. But while doing it a lot better, it is over the top. Uh, <laughs> they they really... it's what, And then for me, it was one of the best because it's so different from any other, anything else that you get in any other Final Fantasy. Again, making this have its own identity, uh, which is pretty cool. One of, which is one of the few ways that they do that. But that that entire uh, sector is is just crazy. That's the party sector. Yeah. So very once you get to chapter nine, you're getting some good stuff. Yeah, very awkward dancing in that chapter. I was not expecting it. hundred percent. Like, <laughs> that's where I walked in. That's that's exactly <laughs> where I I turned on when the dance sequence was happening. And what's hysterical is I know what's going to happen is you know, when I eventually pick this up and start playing it. So a lot of times I'll play games late at night after uh, my wife and daughter go to bed and I play right in the bedroom. So we've got a, a TV mounted on the wall. It's just, it's convenient. I play with the headset. That will happen. That sequence will happen. Uh, Lauren will just wake up and be like, what the hell are you playing? Yep. That's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> it's like the, the, the idea between Walmart that they did in this game, they kind of expand on a little bit more. It's kind of like the pleasure center, so to speak. Gotcha. To get pleasure one is through the combat arena people get to watch um you know there's a bunch of different facets. i love the way they did it. it was very very well done and other thing i want to talk about for spoilers would probably be the last thing is the ending um yes. we won't talk about what exactly happens but i mean it's not really an ending because there's a second part so but um the whispers so the whispers kind of come to a climax and they really so joe i'll kind of explain this to you because you're obviously going to hear the spoilers the way the whispers work throughout the entire game is they kind of they're essentially the controllers of destiny. So the idea behind them is every time that you in a story 
almost seems like it's going to veer off and go away from the original. The whispers kind of intervene to keep it on track. The direction is brilliantly done on this, by the way, as you continue, Tim, it, it's so brilliantly done. Cause it's like, what are they? But then as Tim's going to go into their reasoning is a hundred percent agree. And it, it kind of works because everyone, when you play the game, you have this idea of the remake that it needs to be the original. And throughout the game, they're kind of controlling these whispers are controlling how the game plays out. They make sure yes. certain characters don't live. They make sure that certain characters live. Um, they make it so you can't get to a certain area that you want to get to. And they just intervene. And towards the end, it's kind of the climax where they decide, hey, you know what? We're going to try to make the story our own and create our own destiny. There's an epic boss battle where you fight Sephiroth before you are supposed to. You don't fight him in the original really at all um, before you leave Midgar. And he's you know, in there a little bit, you kind of see a lot of Sephiroth at the moment you leave Midgar in the original. Um, and you see like backstory and stuff like that. But in this one, you kind of get an idea of how big of a villain Sephiroth is, which I thought they did a great job of. And with the Whispers, they kind of come to a climax where you essentially defeat the Whispers and you you open up different, you know, multiverse kind of thing where you open up, open up different plot lines. And one of the main characters in Crisis Core... They kind of show that he makes it back to Medgar, which he doesn't in the original, which is a big talking point online that he might still be alive. And it really opens up a lot of different content and kind of makes it so they kind of take the cap off it where it says, hey, you know what? We played by the rules in the remake. We're taking the top off. We can pretty much do what we want now. Supposedly, they're still going to follow the rules and kind of go along with the original. But, you know, that's I, I want to know your opinion, but that's what I kind of thought on the ending, what they were kind of trying to go for. Yeah. If we're going to go, if we're, if we're in spoiler territory, here we go. Cause I'm about to get into it and make it quick too. Uh, so when it comes to that whole thing, everything that, that Tim said is right on the money there. Um, one detail that a lot of people, I don't know if it's missing. It's kind of tough. And once you play it for the first time, it's like, what? But as you start reading other people's theories and then you start going back and watching cut scenes, it'd be like, oh, that happened. And if you're really connected with the original, um, and to the point of where Seth Roth is without a doubt, my favorite, uh, well, he's, he's up there. My favorite final fantasy villains. If he's not my favorite, he's my, he's, he's like top two, you know, uh, the only other one that can come close is Kefka from final fantasy six. Yeah. Um, but Sephiroth is right there for me. And just cause again, I've watched him and cloud fight since I was born. I feel like, um, in different entertainment mediums, but yeah, he is a, a serious problem in the way that they weave him into this story. Uh, and the way, one of the reasons why they were able to bring him in earlier is because in Tim, I don't know if you know this, this Sephiroth is actually this, and they're getting into timelines here, the Sephiroth from the original final fantasy seven plot line. So he's invaded this timeline with the knowledge of everything that happens to him. So whether you uh, take it from Crisis Core through Final Fantasy VII original through Advent Children to his eventual permanent defeat, um, well, so we think uh, he know he knows he knows everything. So he's so imagine again, you know your fate <laughs> in this world. And you're like, you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to this other timeline and try to make things the way I really want them to. So you see how he's antagonizing Cloud and everything throughout the entire uh, plot of Final Fantasy VII Remake. And then again, that all comes to a head, uh, at least the first part, at the end of this game. So you have the thing with the whispers. They're like, 
in a way, like the analogy that I can uh, think of is like, they're like the fans that don't want the game to change. They want it to be exactly the same. Think of the, think of those fans as the whispers where, no, this has to be a dedicated remake. It must not change. That's what the whispers are basically trying to reinforce um, to where it gets to a point where the characters do have to defy destiny um, in order to, because they start seeing little, uh, foreshadowing of what could potentially happen to them if they continue along the original Final Fantasy VII plotline. And again, if you play the game, you know everything that ends up happening. So they want to defy destiny, and that's the whole part of that last segment of the game. So for those who get to that point, um, you might not really know what's going on. Thus, you come to a video like this to kind of get a little bit of an explanation, because it is kind of crazy. Um, and the one last thing I'll say about the Sephiroth point is that is by far that's one of my favorite boss fights of all time and again understand where i'm coming from um again my one of my major exposures to final fantasy genre in general was final fantasy 7 i grew up watching advent children i grew up with crisis core that gives you a ton of backstory on sethroth um and that as well um seeing advent children seeing cloud and sethroth fight in that not in like a pixelated form uh so just and then again seeing them fight in kingdom hearts too it's like i'm a huge batman fan and i've grown up since i was born watching batman and joker fight this is like that for me like that main event like you know mayweather versus pacquiao type of or mayweather versus mcgregor type of main event that i wanted to always see adapted into a modern game um, so seeing that we got that in this game was, it was incredible. I was screaming throughout the entire fight. Um, and I didn't think we were going to get that in this part, which was so shocking for me, at least. Um, I thought we were going to have to wait till part two, part three, thus four, five, six years to, to get a fight like that. But we got it in this game and we'll see where it goes. And they did it well. They did it enough to where you get a taste of how Sephiroth is, but you didn't get to like, there wasn't like a complete ending to it. It was like, Hey. This is this is what's happening now. This is the real enemy of the game, and you know that's set the plot line for the next next game. So I'm excited. So hopefully, we don't have to wait five years. But <laughs> seriously, <laughs> awesome guys, awesome discussion here on Final Fantasy VII remake. Uh, we want to know your thoughts. Uh, the community listening or watching the video, how much did you enjoy the game? Are you like me? You haven't taken the dive yet but you're excited to do so let us know in the comments below on all social media for the geekiverse i will wrap things up here tim where can we find you on social media and uh you've got a little show uh to plug that that's coming up yeah yeah i'm, I'm super excited for it so you can find me on twitter everything's tim tales so t-i-m-t-a-l-s on friday i'll be starting the uh, fallen order stream i'm gonna actually stream it so i guess built a new computer for it it's gonna run run uh, really nice on i'm excited and uh we're actually starting up a podcast myself and uh, joe we're doing it's called Dadcast. so as everyone knows i am a, a dad soon to be a dad to two so i'm actually expecting a little girl uh, in, uh october congrats so i'm man. really excited and i'm excited yeah, congrats. To share. thank you thank you I'm excited to share how the transition was when i first became a dad and what it's like what it's like now you know it's you know i i'm a business owner so i work a lot of hours and on top of that, I have a family. So where do you find the time to game? And uh, there's one little key right here. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. That's, that's what I'll lead into. But yeah, so essential. Yep. Good stuff, man. <laughs> I uh, I super thrilled uh, to get going with Tim on that. Um, there's nothing quite like 
being a, a father and being a gaming father is a, a different animal altogether. So we're going to do this monthly. We'll have a little bit of a lifestyle podcast slash show that will we'll just kind of almost like a group therapy, but in a positive way. You know, yeah. we're uh, from a positive standpoint. We're going to talk about all of that. Cannot wait to get going. Uh, it's a support group. <laughs> absolutely. It's a good way to put it. Rashawn, where can people find you on social? And uh, you're all over the Geekiverse lately. Uh, so yes. Where can they see you there? So let's start with the Geekiverse. Um, you can find me on our Geeks Got Game podcast where we talk about gaming news and all the relevant gaming topics at that point in time. Uh, excited for later tonight. We're actually filming an episode of our new show, uh, MCU Review, uh, where we're going through each MCU movie from week to week and basically just reviewing them with the context of the Infinity Saga being over, which is incredible. Um, and hopefully we could take that farther beyond uh, the Infinity Saga as well. Um, and then I'm on, you know, different reviews like this. My first review here, which was awesome. Uh, so different, you know, games that I've played uh, and that the others of the Geeky Friends have played will hop on here, do some reviews. Outside of here, uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, True King Zero, and on my Twitch streams as well, True King Zero. Uh, getting some new equipment for that stuff in as we speak. So there'll be some uh, quality improvements. There'll be some uh, things that are revamped on that as well. So if you like games and want to hang out, come see me. I think awesome. one thing we got to do though, before we get off, you got to show us an up close view of that buster sword. Agreed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yep. Bring, bring yep. it over. <laughs> it is not actually life-size. Cause I think that's somewhat impossible. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> I got this from a Renaissance fair actually. Oh. Uh, I, I can't even remember where it is. It's not necessarily local. It's about a two and a half hour drive, but uh, yeah, there's no materia in here. I'm not that cool. <laughs> Wait, so you can't cast fire or something with that? I cannot. Oh. Not yet. Even though I am the Platinum King, I, you know, I have my weapon here uh, along with my, you know, Keyblade and lightsaber that you can't really see back uh, yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> Lightsaber's wrapped up. So I have my weapons of choice, uh, but no magic. You never know when you'll need them, so it's good to have them handy. Yeah. <laughs> I know where I'm going if something happens. That's right. That's right. If the quarantine gets even crazier, we're, we're going your way, Rashawn. If you have a keyblade, a buster sword, and a lightsaber, what do you need a gun for? Let's be honest. Right. That's right. That's right. I, uh, on social media, I'm Josiah D. Leroy. Uh, you can find me all over the Geekiverse, of course. Uh, one thing we did not plug is uh, I'm actually guest starring on a Geekiverse show that I'm not regularly on. So this is going to be a blast. We're doing a, a quarantine version of Drafting with Drafts. So our show, which is sponsored by our partners at Community Beer Works, we are going to be doing a quarantine rendition of that, and I cannot wait to do that. Uh, that will be revealed in the coming days, and you'll be able to stream it right at youtube.com slash the Geekiverse. Uh, Thanks to to Tim and Rashawn for joining us today. Two of the Geekiverse's rising stars. We've got them on one video now, which is wonderful. Been hoping <laughs> to get you to get you both together for a few weeks now. So uh, thanks uh, so much from the community for for tuning in, whether you're on podcast form or on YouTube.com. Again, slash the Geekiverse. We really appreciate you listening in. Lots of content coming up in the next few weeks here. The Geekiverse is celebrating its sixth anniversary, so stay tuned all month long for all of our brand new shows, as well as discounts in our merch store, and soon we will be unveiling our sixth anniversary logo and t-shirt, uh, which will be limited edition. So again, for Rashawn and Tim, I'm Josiah. We will catch you all soon. Have a wonderful day. <laughs>